Jenkins. Chap with the wings there. You're listening to the Doctor Who podcast. This is the DWP episode 368 and we're in a bit of a, a reflective mood this time because we've been going at a breakneck pace over the, the Christmas period but with all the, the new episodes coming out and uh, so we thought this time we would just sort of look back over 2023 and pick out our, our favourite parts of Doctor Who media, fandom, it's open to absolutely everything. So joining me today for this conversation is James. Hello James. Hello, Phil, and hello, everyone. Yes. Yeah, I'm. I'm very much looking forward to this, and and you're right. You know, um, I can't remember the last podcast we recorded where we weren't desperate to get through all of the preliminaries really, really fast, so we could talk about a new episode of Doctor Who. Um, and I, I feel like I've got to try and check myself a little bit to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully this episode is going to be a bit more slower pace with a pair of us, actually. So because it's the it's nearly we're nearing the end of 2023 now as well. So yeah, you know it's it's time to put our feet up. I think <laughs> it has felt like this year has been manic. Uh, I mean, personally for me, on a on a number of levels, mm-hmm. um, new job and um, new series of Doctor Who coinciding. Really, uh, mm. timing couldn't have been worse in all honesty. <laughs> and I've also been unwell um far more than I usually am um so yeah it, it's it's been an interesting year but when I look back at even just the the last few months I'll say last few months the last six weeks if we go back to the 23rd of November which is the anniversary mm. the DWP has released 13 different podcasts during that period now I know there are six of us. I know there are six yeah. of us, yeah. and there's there's a you know behind the scenes team as well. But that's a heck of a lot of output. So uh, listeners, we very much hope you've enjoyed it. And if you haven't, then you darn well should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope there's there's one other thing that uh, um, our listeners have sort of appreciated and enjoyed out there as well is the the wonderful artwork that um, is produced for our. Uh, for our episodes that come out, and also the the whole work that's gone into uh, putting out the episodes onto our website and on up to the servers and everything. So, so big big thank you out there to Dave for putting together all the artwork um, for the podcast uh, over the last year, and also to John as well for doing all the the techie stuff for us as well. So, very much appreciated. Absolutely, and I mean, I remain continually astounded that neither. John or Dave have, have blocked me um, <laughs> on various forms of social media. I, I, I dropped Dave a quick note to say, oh, just another cover, please. And um, I, I, every time I expect him to send back a rude word, but he doesn't. He sends back a glorious, glorious cover art. And uh, that's that's wonderful. So, yeah. Really good way to start the episode, actually. Yes, it is. It is. I think it's the, the well-deserved thank yous. Well-deserved. <laughs> The 60th anniversary 
I suppose we now have to say has been and gone. We're not going to get any more new Doctor Who content before 2024. How has it been for you, Phil? Um, has it been rewarding? You've had more stuff than you expected, less? Well, I think there's um, kind of more, I think, really, because uh, we had the, the little children in need um, special as well. Destin- was it Destination Scarrow? I think it was called. Um as well as the, like the three specials, um, I mean, RTD's been everywhere during the 60th anniversary, talking about it or, or just promoting it full stop, really, which has been quite unusual, not what we've been used to, I should say, um, rather than unusual in, in the last few years, because the promotion side has been fairly, sort of fairly quiet. I mean, we knew this year was the big anniversary year, so we expected it to, that excitement to ramp up. Um and it, uh, for me, it did. Um, whether the the final end result we got over the period of three weeks was exactly what we were looking for, but that's the thing about hype, isn't it? It's it's always it never lives up to your expectations. I think half the time. You're talking specifically about the three episodes. The three episodes, yeah. Um, but I would say the build up to it. Um, mm. It's a bit like Christmas, really. The build up to Christmas, <laughs> I think that's the best thing. Um, and I felt the build up to the to the anniversary um, was wonderful, and there were loads of different bits and pieces, which I'm sure will will come on to that, that made up that 60th anniversary. Well, sort of, it's almost like a month, really, wasn't it? To be honest, yeah. During that period, uh, so I suppose even slightly before the anniversary itself, which took place on a Thursday, um, it was it was really busy. There was new stuff online. All the time, and I, I think really it was the whole month of of November, and mm. there was a bunch of stuff there that I have to say I, I wasn't either expecting or I'd missed the press releases or I, I'd noticed the press releases when they come out and then forgot about them. I mean that's that's mm. more likely to happen these days. Uh, but yeah, I, I it's it's funny you comparing it to Christmas. It was almost as though you were describing uh, or, or comparing it to an anticlimactic. Uh, experience because Christmas for me is very anticlimactic. <laughs> uh, I always like the idea of Christmas, um, and, and then either I get ill or something doesn't go right, and it's all over, and I'm not actually that bothered about it. Um, I don't feel like that about the anniversary. Uh, I, I I have to say that I think the amount which I enjoyed it took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know whether my expectations were quite low, given, I mean, I know it's 10 years ago now, but the 50th anniversary, there was very little at all, really, uh, to distinguish it from any other year uh, for the first nine, 10 months. Whereas it feels totally different this time. It, it felt as though we were drip fed stuff throughout the entire year so pretty much since Russell T Davis came back and then November it ramped up to 11 it was it was like the RTD knew he wasn't mm. going to get another opportunity to stand in front of the Doctor Who shop window and press himself against it like a like a Garfield car sticker uh, for everybody to see and to say I'm only here for a couple of months you know this this is the, the this is the most publicity I'm ever going to be able to generate for Who. Mm. Um, uh, obviously, he's still here for the next two series as well, at least. Mm. But um, Doctor Who, certainly in the UK, was front and centre in November and December. Mainstream media, it went on to all of the talk shows. 
Uh, it was in the newspapers, um, and I I really really enjoyed that heightened level of awareness. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm trying to sort of come thinking back to what happened during the 50th, and I think what we had there and what we had this time for the 60th, it, it, two completely different beasts, really, because yeah. we, I mean, the 50th, we it started in January because you had the, the Destiny of the Doctor audio range being released. You had all of the, um, the BFI events each month as well, so that it felt like there was a big, big build-up to the actual day itself. And then, of course, you had... Um, that special trailer that the BBC put together, featuring all the different doctors, um, it was it was like a like a three D, um, not and it wasn't animation as such. It was like a three D painting you sort of moved around within. It, it was quite. I thought it, it looked really good. Um, but then you also had the cinema showing um, of the anniversary special as well, which we I, I don't believe we got this time. There was no cinema showings of any of the specials. No, no. no. I, don't, I don't think it went into any theatres um, here or. In America, which um, yeah, I wonder why. I wonder why not. Yeah, don't know. Don't know. I think he must must obviously missed a trick there. I think. Well, actually. he may have done, or or like you pointed out, perhaps he was determined to distinguish this from celebrations um, that have happened previously. And I, I yeah. think they they did that. I mean, if if you take a look at the TV offerings, Day of the Doctor was essentially a film. It was a it was it a was. film yeah. of Doctor Who. That celebrated its past, uh, Daleks, Time Lords, multi-doctor story, big mm-hmm. surprise in John Hurt. You know that was fantastic. So in in a way that was incredibly satisfactory. Whereas yeah. this time they thought, right, at least three episodes, regardless of how that idea started. I think initially it was actually going to be a single episode from from what I've heard from Russell T Davies, and yeah. then the idea morphed and. Uh, uh, expanded into into three distinct episodes, um, and I would say Day of the Doctor is still a better story than any of the four specials that we've seen yeah. on TV this year. But the you know, in terms of being part of the celebrations and being part of Doctor Who fandom, I've enjoyed it this time round much more than I did um, for the fiftieth. I, I also think. The way in which the 60th has been celebrated was influenced to an extent by COVID. Now, I I know we are a couple of years, really, Mm. uh, you know, beyond the pinnacle peak COVID. However, the 50th anniversary was all about events. There were events everywhere. You've mentioned the BFI, you know, once a month, people were out meeting each other. The the Excel uh, event at... um, in the Docklands of uh, East London, massive events. People, um, Doctor alumni were there, in, they were out and being waved around. This time round, there was much more emphasis on media. So yes. there was stuff online, um, the book range, the novelizations of the three um, specials got a heck of a lot of press. And, uh, you know... Colorized, colorized Daleks, which we must talk about first. Yes, we must. Yes, um, you know all of this kind of stuff. It just felt very, very different. It did. It did. Maybe what I said earlier on sort of is anticlimactic. It, I don't think it, it wasn't that so much. I think it's just the fact that it was a different beast because the the, the fit was all building up to that one episode. Was this time you're looking forward to three weeks of Doctor, then a couple of weeks break, and then a new Doctor. As well, see, so those three specials had quite a lot to do, actually. Um, mm. That sort of celebrate 
the 60th anniversary and introduce a new Doctor at the same time. I th- I think for the for the most part, I think it was successful. Oh, absolutely! Actually, no, I, I yeah. think it absolutely was. Uh, there's no no question in in, in my mind. I mean, looking back at the let's let's just stick with the David Tennant specials mm. uh, for for the time being. Um, have you changed your view at all since your initial reaction? I mean, look looking back on them as a, as a mini series, if you like. Yeah. Do you think they they achieved everything that they set out to? Could it have been any better? Um, I'm still got quite a downward wild blue yonder. If I'm being perfectly honest and and I think really again it was it was due to that that mystery and hype that RTD put up around it um because you you had the 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 trailer advertising the three episodes when it comes to Wild Blue Yonder everything was redacted and you're thinking what what is this what is this massive mystery it's going to be and most people will make make up their own minds it's going to be Matt Smith it's going to be Peter Capaldi or it's going to be Jodie Whittaker or there's going to be some other doctor involved in it and as it turned out, it was nothing of the sort. Um, it, it completely <laughs> upended everybody's expectations. Um, and I think I think that was... And even RTDs now said perhaps he shouldn't have surrounded it in so much secrecy because it it, it, it didn't really sort of um, deliver on the hype for a lot of people. So maybe so, sort so of... So has it, that forever tainted your enjoyment of the story? I mean, how, how many times have you seen it, for example? I've seen it, I've seen it two or three times now. And mm. I, I just don't think it works as a story. Really? Well, as well, and this is nothing to do yeah. with your expectations being mismanaged. No, I, th- I just think it, it just doesn't work. Um, mm. I think uh, I think there's a couple of good ideas in there, uh, but the I just thought the way it was put together for me just didn't work. The lot of the oh, green screen didn't work. Um, I think the performances were fantastic, and it was just two actors basically um, performing this one, which was and they were both great. Uh, but I just thought the way it was realised and the actual script itself didn't really work for me still doesn't <laughs> it's interesting isn't it i think there is a eclectic collection comprising of two episodes where i've picked up my phone halfway through broadcast mm. or transmission and text you phil to say what the hell is this um and, and wild blue yonder was one of them. it was indeed uh, yes. it was um and that was because I think there was one moment in it that I I just could not get my head around, and that that was the the comedic backflip walking on the hands uh, from, yeah. from David Tennant. That was the point I think where I sent you the message. Um, and and listeners, if you're interested in the other one, it was another episode uh, within Flux where I I simply had no idea what was going on and I can't even recall what that episode was called. Did anyone uh, have any idea what was going on in No, well, that, was, that was very <laughs> difficult. But having said that, um, now that I've gone back and watched Wild Blue Yonder again, and bearing in mind I didn't really have the um, my expectations mismanaged, mm. I, I enjoyed that so much more the second time I watched it. And uh, yeah. you know, I, I think perhaps maybe the secrecy backfired for a certain element of fandom that perhaps you were part of. And I think that's a shame if yeah. that is the case. Um, and I know the director got a bit antsy uh, a little as well because he was concerned that he was setting up everybody for a big, big disappointment. Well, yeah, so, he, he did take to um, 
X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it these days, he did take to Twitter to say, you know, don't get your hopes up. There's not any other doctors in this. You know, yeah. he was, you know, he was sort of uh, trying to sort of deflate everyone's balloons a little bit there. But um, I think it, it, it. I mean, looking back for me, it's not so much any one episode. It's it's thinking about what they were trying to achieve because when you bring David Tennant and Catherine Tate back, you know, after such a long time. Mm. It's got to be a reason for it, and it can't just be. Oh, it was so much fun last time. We now just want to do it again because yeah. that's highly unlikely to deliver from a creative perspective in, in, in terms of giving you a satisfactory story. Um, so I look at the differences this time, and the subtle differences in character between the fourteenth and the tenth Doctor, I think largely worked. Mm-hmm. And I think this this the fourteenth Doctor is essentially a tenth Doctor who's grown up a bit in the same yes. way David Tennant has. Yeah. Um, certainly emotionally, uh, I think some of his responses and his interactions were really good. So I think that is an interesting story to tell. Clearly, there were some other things that RTD wanted to address as well. And I think certainly the inclusion of a trans character Mm -hmm. in the Star Beast was on his list. And there was also a diversity issue, I think, that came up in the church on Ruby Road. And whilst I'm very supportive uh, of bringing everything like this into Doctor Who... I'm not entirely certain they did it in a particularly brilliant way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the story at the time when I'm not sitting there thinking about it. I just think, great, really, really good. I can get excited when I record now. Yeah. But <laughs> it was something that Ian mentioned a while ago. And I, I have really kind of had difficulty in letting this thought go from my mind. Okay. And that's the fact that Rose was trans almost as a symptom of the story as opposed to the fact that she was just trans too much power for one person but you had a child and the meta crisis passed down a shared inheritance binary non-binary binary almost like some kind of reason for it as opposed to it just being the way it was um now i know it wasn't quite like that but it was very easy to read to read that from the story Mm. and just very very briefly and i know this is almost certainly going into the point of paranoia but do you recall in the church on ruby road there was that scene where Ruby had been lifted out of reality and they changed the lighting of the flat. Yeah. Um, everything was dark and dour. Um, Ruby's mum, and, and um, whose name I can't remember, but her nan, Cherry, were incredibly dour individuals, mm. all because a white person had left 
their lives. Yeah, I must. I didn't think about it like that, but no, well, no neither you, did I. Neither no, did got... I. And it, I, I just happened to see it online, and it was actually it was in really bad context. It was someone who clearly wanted to start railing against this kind of stuff, but I just thought, mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that was a really clever decision, only in hindsight. Or is it something that actually really doesn't matter? Yeah, I, I'm quite sure that wasn't the intention. Um, I'm, I'm quite <laughs> so sure it I. wasn't. So um, I. I think. I mean, if, I mean, any sort of thing like that, I think, is purely accidental. Um, but I think it, it, it's a it's a bit of a minefield, really, because it, you can read whatever you want to read um, into, into things like that. Um, and if we're sort of, if people think, oh, Ruby's a, uh, a, a what's the term, a white saviour, um, to, to you know, to coin a phrase, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that actually sort of that would hold up. But then again, I'm white as well, so who, who am I to comment, really? So as we mentioned earlier, uh, there were other items to enjoy during the 6th anniversary um, this year. And you mentioned uh, earlier, James, the Daleks in colour. But why do you have to destroy culture you your brains? Only one race can survive. What are you planning? We wish to escape captivity, go out and rebuild the planet Skaro. Our neutron bomb will spread radiation for 500 square miles. Nothing can live outside if you do that. Nothing. Except the Daleks. When do you intend to put this into operation? Now. Oh, yes. Yes. I did. What did you make of that? Then? We've, we've not discussed this on the DWP yet, have we? No, we haven't. Um, I think it was an interesting experiment. Um, and I... As I understand, I think there might be more to come. Mm, I, I don't think, so. think yeah, I don't think this is, this is a one-off. Um, I think really what we kind of got was the Peter Cushing Dalek movie, but starring William Hartnell um, this time. It, it, hmm. It's followed the, the similar sort of plot beats as, as the as the Cushing movie. It was bluer than I expected the nineteen sixties Doctor Who <laughs> to look like. It was very very blue. Um, I'm not too sure about the new Mark Ayres, um soundtrack to it either, mixing it in with the Tristram Carey original soundtrack, which I think, in my mind, is perfect, actually, because it's very, very otherworldly, and it definitely sh- sort of showcases the BBC Radiophonic Workshop of that period. Um, so, I, so to me, it, it's it's perfection. Um, some of the in sort of that the new soundtrack works, but the, the bit that I was sort of scratching my head about, and it wasn't just the music, it was the way it was edited together as well, right. was, was when Ian is trying to get out of the Dalek and get into the lift, and the Daleks are cutting through the door, and it was cut so frenetically, <laughs> and the music was so intrusive, yeah. um, it took me right out of it completely. And I'm just thinking, I, was, I literally was just scratching my head going, what what is going on here? You know, um, so... I understand why they did it, why they cut it all down to to appeal to a more um, modern audience, um, as it were. However, I kind of disagree with that. This this whole notion of modern audiences won't sit down and watch. Was it? How yeah. many ep- is it six or seven episodes? Seven. Yeah. Um, I I I tend to agree. Uh, I mean, and I, I had to get my head in the right place before I could really appreciate this or even consider it because yeah. 
the original seven episodes, and, and this for me is true of every 60s story, um, is, is the definitive version of it. Uh, even if it is quite slow, it's mm. slow because it's a 60s production. Yeah. Um, is Is it true to say that the pace and the length and the production values precludes or excludes a segment of Doctor Who fandom from watching and enjoying those stories. Uh, maybe. Maybe it is, right? Uh, yeah. And I know that's certainly the line that um, RTD and Phil Collinson, this is a Phil Collinson project, yeah. um, have, have taken. So the way in which I have to view this as is an alternative way to view the story. Not a replacement, an no, alternative. Exactly. Yeah. So in the same way that you might get a, a special edition on a DVD, as well as the transmitted version, this is just another alternative. Um, was it as big a thing as they really made out? I mean, Ben Cook, uh, I believe, done all the editing on this, and there was yeah. a technical team. Uh, as well i i'm not sure whether it was actually worth it. <laughs> um well what is it they're actually trying to achieve um are they going to bring this to a new audience i honestly do not think so i i don't think there is going to be anyone certainly who who might enjoy it modern who and has accessed doctor who through 2005 stories onwards yeah is is gonna think do you know what this has made me watch this story when i otherwise wouldn't <sighs> leaving that aside and to an extent i don't really care either you know it's there why it's yeah, there is yeah. almost immaterial really um yes i enjoyed it i did enjoy it it was it was good to watch it did highlight how thin the plot was <laughs> yes because there was very very little story here um and therefore, you have to look for something else in these episodes that go on for weeks or went on for weeks back in the day. And that's the character development. Now, that was mm. completely squished out of the new version. Uh, all it was was plot, 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 plot. How do yeah. we get from this plot to the next plot? It wasn't about let's get to know these characters who you only have seen in four episodes prior uh, to this. <laughs> and, we, you know, we don't even know what we're trying to achieve with the character of the Doctor at this stage. Yeah, um, yeah. So I I think it's not for me, right? Um, I appreciate it as a technical achievement. Mm. I do not appreciate it as a Doctor Who product, and it's certainly not something which I would revisit instead of watching the original. No, me neither. Um, and I, I understand it's coming out on Blu-ray, um, I've ordered it. I you've don't ordered know it, why, but I have. You've ordered yeah. it. No, I. Well, that's it. I won't be ordering it. I won't be. I won't be purchasing that one. I know I'm, I'm a bit of a completist when it comes to uh, the Blu-ray range, but as I say it's not really. It's not going to add anything to my collection because I shall never watch it. I shall always watch the old. I'm not saying that from a. I know I could. I'm like some stuck in the mud old school Doctor Who fan. Um, it it just doesn't appeal to me. As I say, I just see it as a bit of a failed experiment. To be honest, yeah, I mean, it's certainly a failure for me personally. It hasn't left me desperate for truncated '60s stories, and this is partly the reason why I'm a bit disappointed because there's two things here. There's, I, mean, I really, really like seeing colorized '60s stories. Mm. I think that's brilliant, and some of the stuff you've got online, you know, when you see Trout and and Hines interacting together for example is amazing absolutely amazing yeah. a, a colorized version of william hartnell um 
there's a scene that's been done with Dodo and and Stephen, you know, and it just looks brilliant. But I don't want to see a colorized cut down. What I'd like mm. to see, I mean, and I know this is virtually impossible. Basically, I want my cake and I want to eat it. <laughs> I would like to have all seven episodes, the original episodes of the Daleks, colorized or any story mm. fully colorized. And I understand why they do it. Um, and I think the second project, colorization project, is going to be the War Games. Uh, I know that's not been confirmed yet, but it's been reported in the mirror. As, uh, as highly likely to be the case. And of course, yeah. that's a 10 episoder. So it, it has to be cut down. I, I get that. Yeah. Um, but I would still dearly love to see these full episodes in colour. Same here. Same here. No DWP review of the year will be complete uh, unless we spoke about our friends at Big Finish and it has been yet again another prolific year. There's been some absolute gems uh, being released Um, and I will focus on one story for me Mm -hmm. that I have enjoyed more than probably most others this year and there are a few stories I could have chosen. But intelligence for war. Is it true we're secretly at war with another planet? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) We have a deeply alarming situation developing. Brigadier, this is a very sensitive area in terms of global politics. I suppose I want to equip people to better understand the world and not get trapped into ways of thinking that drag us all down. To make the world a better place? Yes. Wait a minute. Where are you going? Cambridge. It is one of those stories that fits into season seven. So it's either six or seven parts in length. I honestly can't remember. Okay, it's, yeah. a, it's a single, single story. And yeah. it's got um, Liz Shaw in it. Daisy Ashford plays her. Tim Trelaw, the third Doctor. And um, John Colshaw plays uh, the Brigadier. And I mean, Phil, you know, this particular era is my favourite. And it it just does wonders uh, for me. Um, I, I, I love hearing these stories that would fit so seamlessly in between, for example, you know, Ambassadors of Death and uh, Inferno. I probably missed one out there, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but they are so good. They are so good. And they've got a small group of writers working on this range. And I think the intention is to release one season, season seven story a year. Um, mm. I think last year they released um, The Return of Joe Jones, which was three two-parters that were set much later in a a third Doctor's run. And I didn't enjoy those uh, as much. But these stories, I think, are are blinding. Now, I know you love this era as well. I do. Have you caught this story yet? No, I haven't, actually. I haven't. As I say, because season seven, or you know, Pertwee's first season, is my hands down my favourite season of Doctor Who. Um, It it really is, because it it contains one of my favourite stories, Inferno. Yeah. Um, as well, but no, I haven't caught this one. So, what's this? What's this one about? Um, it depends. I mean, I won't give you a complete, entire summary of the plot, uh, but it's it's essentially it's got all of the things that you would expect from a third Doctor story. So there is a a concern at the beginning 
of the um, episode, you then see the Doctor and Unit slowly relocate themselves to a small village, usually somewhere <laughs> on the south coast. Again, it, yeah. it's quite formulaic in that regard. Uh, but it focuses on Liz Shaw um, and it goes into some of her background. So it a lot of it is set in Cambridge mm-hmm. and revisits some of her um, motivations uh, for, for joining uh, unit and it just kind of works really well the, the kind of two worlds uh, of, uh, that we know Liz Shaw has inhabited so we see the one she has with unit but we only know about the one in Cambridge yeah. you know and it's nice to see how that was just kind of brought together there's of course a Machiavellian senior army um Official who isn't there uh, always gets yeah. things wrong, yeah, and, and so therefore you've got the brigadier shouting at him and having arguments, which just always makes me me smile. Uh, but it's it's just a very very good production. Funnily enough, I've for my sort of big finish highlight for this year, I've also picked um, something from um, the Third Doctor uh, tenure, and um, well, this one is also set during. Uh, season seven as well. It sits between the Silurians and the Ambassadors of Death, oh, and yes. it's that yes. And um, we've spoken about this on on the DWP before, um, but I had to mention it again because it's hands down the favourite thing to listen to this year, and that is AWOL, which is part oh. of the short trip season. Just let me be beside the seaside. Just let me be beside. You know, Doctor, if you wanted to have some time off, I would have happily sent you to Brighton for the weekend. Ah. Brigadier. Oh, it's funny, you know, I had a feeling today it was going rather too well. Flippancy will get you nowhere, Doctor. On the contrary, Brigadier. It's gotten me considerably further than anyone on this absurd planet. Yes, well, be that what as... What I can do without is interruptions, but I'm attending to serious business. Oh, I can imagine it doesn't look like anything terribly pressing to you. Nothing interesting to shoot at. Bar the odd whelk. Doctor, I've already wasted a great deal of time. Ah, yes. Yes. Ah, that reminds me. I was curious as to how long it would take you to find me. Doctor! Ah, there we are. Three weeks, four days, 17 hours, 56 minutes, 12 seconds. Absolutely brilliant. Um, I say, listen, if you haven't listened to it, on our previous recommendation, I urge you to go go listen to it on my second recommendation. Do it now, exactly. <laughs> yes, um, I, I tend to shy away from the short trips um, sort of series because they're just sort of sort of like so it's, it's like re- someone reading a book to you. It's like an audio book rather than a, than a play. And I prefer like the the main the main range of um, a big finish for, for that reason. Uh, but this one um, is not read by John Coleshaw. It's acted by John Coleshaw. He plays the part of the Brigadier and the Third Doctor as well. And to be perfectly honest, if you didn't know it was John Coleshaw, you would have thought it was Nicholas Courtney and John Pertwee, to be honest. It, it is that well done. And John Coleshaw, what a fantastic actor as well. It's a, it's a fantastically uh, written story. Um, fantastically yeah, no, acted. I, the dialogue is 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 wonderful, and it's also quite um, full of pathos. And I must admit, it sort of at certain points brought a little, little sort of like lump in my throat as well. Yeah, no, it did to me as well. Um, and again, it's because it focuses on the one thing that I love about the Third Doctor era, and that's his relationship with the Brigadier. Yeah, yeah, 
This one focuses on the development of that relationship. And uh, this is AWOL by Angus Dunnikan, I think it is. That's right, And yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's just managed to hit all of the right notes. And like you say, we, we've talked about it before, but it definitely warrants mentioning again. And, and it's so cheap. Uh, I think it's less than three quid <laughs> uh, to, to, to go and... Uh, and buy, uh, and it's a forty-minute story that um, is an incredible investment. I've listened to it on three occasions now, mm-hmm. and every time, every time it gets me as well. So yeah, a really, really good uh, story there. Right, so let's move on then to a slightly different uh, media this time. Well, media, I'm not sure media is the right word, but uh, a way that we have celebrated our fandom uh, during the anniversary year. Now, you're, you've gone to a few conventions, haven't you? Um, I know you went to Hooverville not yes, that I long did. ago. Yeah, back and, in September. Um, yeah. <laughs> indeed. And didn't you go somewhere else as well? Yes, well, I, I also went to the BFI for the, um, the, sort of the premiere of the animated version of The Underwater Menace, mm. um, which I went along with uh, my son, Scott. It was his first uh, BFI event as well, so he, he absolutely um, sort of thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, now, as we know, The Underwater Menace isn't a great story. Um, it's not well-loved by, um, by fans. It wasn't well-loved by the actors at the time either, who said it was a, a bit of a, a, shoddy, um, <laughs> a shoddy production hastily put into into production because they had no other scripts available as I as I understand it, which was mm. a common practice during Troughton's um, era, um, it appears. But um sitting down and watching this with other Doctor Who fans was an absolutely really? magical experience. It really was. Well even um, more so than other stories. Yeah, it's because people were having so much fun with it. Um <laughs> they, they were laughing at bits and pieces. Um when um Zaroff says nothing in the world will stop me now. Everyone applauded and, and cheered. <laughs> it was it was it was absolutely brilliant. So when the when the third episode closed with that line, everyone applauded and, and cheered and clapped and everything. Nothing in the world can stop me now. And when he said it again to open the fourth episode, everyone did exactly the same. Oh, so, so again, it was <laughs> so you had a you had a recap in the theatre as exact, well as on yes. screen. Yes, <laughs> it's it's funny, isn't it? Because there is definitely something about watching Doctor Who with other people that is a vastly different experience to watching it on your own or, yeah. or just with a, a a couple of friends. And I think the BFI showed Mind Warp uh, to celebrate. Um, the season 23 being released on on blu-ray and i didn't get to see that sadly but i heard similar reports from those who did go to yeah. say i mean because mind walk for me is probably the worst doctor who story ever right <laughs> sorry that, that, that that's just in my personal well, worse than the twin record. dilemma <laughs> it's I, I quite like the twin dilemma um, oh god and i absolutely <laughs> love delta and the bannerman time and irani is pretty bad but i think yeah. mind warp is universally the worst four episodes of Doctor Who ever, but it's it's the camaraderie and and the way people respond to various things uh, on screen when you're watching it together that is is um is valuable. Yes, it is. I thought it it was a really really good experience. I thought it, and as as it was Scott's first experience of a BFI event. Um, I, I I did say to them they're not all like this. <laughs> <laughs> did they show all four episodes animated? They did. Yeah. See, yeah, I do and, wonder, and in colour as well. And in, oh, and in colour? Yeah. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I do wonder why they don't show the original episodes when they have those as well. Maybe it'd be a bit too jarring, and the whole point is to celebrate the animation. But um... end of the day, you're we're still getting missing episodes of Doctor Who in some form of a visual format, and I'll, I'll take it. To be no, honest, no, I will too. Absolutely, certainly during the 60th anniversary year, and yeah. anything to celebrate different parts of the. Um, or different eras. Anything just to celebrate different eras. Yeah. Now, I think you may be the only member of the DWP team to have attended a convention during the anniversary year, uh, and that was Hooverville up in Derby, which was September time, thereabouts? Yes, it was first weekend of September, yeah. Hmm. Um, okay. and, it, and it was a really, really good... Really good event, actually. Um, there was sort of plenty of uh, plenty of doctors there as well. So we had uh, Paul McGann and uh, Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldred, um, Michael Jaston was there as well. Uh, we said Tim Trelaw. There's a big, big finish um, sort of contingent there this ah, year big, as well. Big finish. A big, big finish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was just a really, really good um, convention. Um, and again, I took my son Scott along. Um, he was. Really looking forward to it because it has Sylvester McCoy there, who's his favourite doctor, and Sophie Aldridge, who's his favourite companion as well. So he, he was really, really excited for that. Um, and one of the things they did there that day, uh, I don't know if listeners out there uh, are familiar with the Myth Makers DVD range from Keith Barnfather, and I, I think Nick Briggs is still involved in it in some capacity. Well, they filmed two... Um, sort of specials there that day. So the one we went to, uh, the, it was the first panel of the day. Um, it was recorded by the Mythmakers team and it was um, Sylvester McCoy interviewed by Sophie Aldred. And then later on, to finish off the convention, they did another Myth, Mythmakers film and it was Sylvester McCoy interviewing the, the, uh, Sophie Aldred this time. So it was right, sort of, they flipped, right. they flipped it around. So I understand that's going to come out on um, a DVD release sometime next year, as I understand it. Uh, I shall be purchasing that uh, because they were sweeping around the audience, and at one point the camera was definitely on Scott and I. Huh. So, so hopefully we'll be on a DVD so coming oh, to amazing. you soon. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll have to review yeah. it if it does come out, and you happen to feature. Yes, indeed, indeed. Excellent. So, yeah. So, um, and Scott got photo bombed by Sylvester McCoy. So he <laughs> he was well and truly made up that day. So, but I'd say um, Steve Hatcher and the team um, they put a lot of work into putting these conventions together. And they had an absolutely fantastic lineup this year because uh, they knew it was the 60th and they tried to get as many sort oh. of big names as they could. So it was uh, it was well worth the trip from London up to Derby. It really yeah. was. Yeah, and I'm not surprised it features in your, your highlights of this year. And I seem to remember at the time that um, or noticing there was a heck of a lot of guests far more than than usual and um, yes I, I haven't been I think to a Hooverville convention now since it's third or possibly fourth iteration and I think it's, it's up to number 14 or something now yes it? right so, it is yeah yeah, yeah. So was there anything else you sort of caught on television during the uh, the 60th anniversary celebrations? Mm, yeah. One thing in particular that uh, I'd like to highlight and discuss, and it was a fairly recent uh, production as well. It only transmitted a couple of weeks ago uh, as we record this. And that was a programme that 
I think is part of an ongoing series called Imagine, um, and it focuses on individuals involved in creative jobs. Um, television uh, is one of the things that it focuses on frequently, and Russell T. Davis was one of the subjects um, not that long ago. Um, the episode itself was uh, an hour and 15 minutes long, and yes, it focused on Doctor Who, but it focused much more on Russell T. Davis. So it essentially chronicled, uh, at some pace, out of necessity, um, his his life and career, uh, starting all the way back from when he was at school. And um, mm-hmm. the opening shot is it's pictures of Russell T. Davis as a child uh, with the music from, well, I think it's just called Rose from, from Doomsday. You know, it's, uh, it, it's just really quite emotive. Um, and then you, you just follow his success. Um, Alan Yentob is the presenter and uh, essentially just spends some time with RTD on the Bad Wolf set. And, mm. and not only is, is the programme really in-depth and illuminating and um, it, it shares all, all manner of personal things, really, uh, that I don't think Russell T. Davis has ever really discussed previously, uh, you know, about his family, uh, his mm. partner, where he lives, um, the, the period of time he took essentially out from his career to be a full-time carer for his partner. All yeah. of those kind of things um, are actually covered in some some detail. And you get a real sense of who Russell T. Davis is as a person. And he is enthralling. He is a charismatic individual. Uh, I mean, he's, he's very tall. I, I don't know if... Uh, Many of you listeners, or indeed you, Phil, have met him before. But he's about six foot four, six foot five. So he's yes, quite. I've, I've, yeah, I've never met him, but I'm just, yeah, I've, I've seen the photos. And he's like, yeah. wow, he's, yeah. he's he's a big. He has a physical presence. Yeah, right. And uh, because he's so opinionated, and he, he's now in a position in his career where he doesn't seem to mind whether he upsets individuals. He, he he's not edited anymore, mm. uh, and so you get a raw view, really. Of, of how he operates and how he writes and how he lives his life. And uh, I found it an incredibly uh, enthralling piece of TV. And I, I watched it. I started watching it quite late at night, thinking I'll watch 10, 15 minutes. And before I knew it, it was half past midnight um, and it had finished. It was it was oh, so, wow. so good. Um, and I'd recommend um, to anyone who is interested in Doctor Who, particularly RTDs, involvement in it uh, uh, to, to go and seek this out it's on iPlayer at the moment if you just search for Russell T Davis or imagine uh, the, it, it it comes up uh, but it's a, it's a fascinating piece of television okay Phil and listeners I think we've got to the end of our review of 2023 or more or less we've barely touched on anything really <laughs> we've just uh, identified a few a few highlights um if, if it's not too difficult a question phil mm. what would you say your highlights your overall highlights your doctor who highlight of 2023 has been i think we've got a new doctor who has hit the ground running with, with shooty gatwa um it, it's brought a, a lot of energy and excitement um, and I'm I'm generally excited for what for what's to come. So for for me, Doctor Who has sort of rounded off its its sort of celebrations with this this new Doctor, and it's sort of well, we just hope there's some brilliant things to come. I think it's a good place to to leave us. Mm. No, I completely 
understands that perspective and I can see why it is a highlight. It is for me as well. Obviously not as big a highlight as the Goblin song, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll gloss over that bit. <laughs> yeah, probably best, probably best. But uh, I, I agree. I think the show is in the best place it has been in for years. Um, it's got mysteries that have been carried over from this year that are not going to get resolved until May at the very earliest. Yep. <laughs> uh, they're intriguing. Um, we've got a doctor, I think, who's quite like any other we've had in the past. And I, I think the show is in good hands. And um, I, yeah. I think, in a way, the position that Doctor Who is in now is my highlight of the 60th anniversary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, to- I totally agree. It- it's I don't think we've... Um, well, to-, to coin an old British Prime Minister from the 1950s, we've never had it so good. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And this is the one thing about Doctor Who. Even if you really don't like the particular era that you're in at the moment, it is generally a matter of time until it swings back again and it, yeah. it-, it strikes something that you do like. I mean, I think the problem with many old-term fans is that they think, well, right, this is not what I like it's going to get cancelled soon because you've got that cancellation syndrome built in, really. Oh, yeah, it's always the back of our minds, isn't it? We, we, we've lived through it, James, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, still got the scars. Still got the scars. <laughs> anyway, um, listeners, thank you for joining us. You can do it all again with us in January uh, when we'll be recording our predictions, our Doctor Who predictions for 2024. Always a laugh, um, <laughs> given we get so much wrong. Uh, but do keep your eye on our feeds. Feedback at the doctorwhopodcast.com is the email address you need if you want to get in touch. At the DR Who Podcast is our handle on X or, or Twitter if you're still calling it that. And of course, you can find us on Facebook where we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group which you can get stuck into and speak to all of the DWP hosts whenever you like and we might even reply (laughs) (laughs) how about that Phil great speaking to you for the last hour and to you mate and to you (laughs) we'll catch up with you all very soon bye for now bye bye that was the Doctor Who podcast with your hosts Phil and James you can find us at thedoctorwhopodcast.com if you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for listening and take care. Anyway, um... Listeners, thank you for joining us for the last 45 minutes to an hour or so. Actually, I shouldn't say that because you never know how long it's going to be after they've edited it. So hang on. <laughs> yeah, Michelle could cut everything out. <laughs> yeah, don't blame her. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Listeners, thank you very much indeed for joining us and spending the last few <laughs> I can't say it, can can't I? Say. I, keep, I keep wanting to... What, say. Why, do I, why do I keep wanting to go back to time? I don't know. I'll say it again. No, no. <laughs> Listeners, it's been wonderful spending this episode of the Doctor Who podcast with you. Um, you can do it all again in just a few short days uh, when we... Well, I, no, that's not right either. Oh, <laughs> sure, I'm sorry. I'm giving you an absolute mirror here. I'm sorry.